What's up, fitness and health pros? You're listening to the Dream Fitness Client Academy podcast, where we talk about all things related to growing your revenue to 30000 plus per month. Here are your hosts and coaches. What's going on, fitness pros? Welcome back to the DFCA podcast. We are here interviewing yet another superstar entrepreneur, uh, CEO of her own business in her own right, Kaleen Otero. Kaleen, how are you today? I am awesome. Thank you for having me. Super excited to be on with you all. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kaleen, for our listeners who, who may not be familiar with who you are exactly and what your business is and what you do, can you just go ahead and introduce yourself and, and tell a little bit about your story? Absolutely. So again, my name is Colleen Otero. I'm the founder of the CEO Chick Network, which is a network for women in business. Uh, We have six and seven figure earning coaches that help women learn how to dominate in business. Our mantra is to collaborate, create, and dominate. And so we do just that. I'm also a brand curator. So I help personal brands with their messaging, with how they show up um, as disruptors in the industry, in their industry uh, specifically. And I am just honored, honored to be here with your audience today. Looking forward to just a great, great dialogue. Awesome. That's amazing. That's amazing, Colleen. Um, <clears throat> and I guess if you, how about if we take a couple steps back to, I guess, who you are as an individual, um, how you grew up in, and basically what the journey you took to, to starting your own business and starting the CEO Chick Network and, and everything that you have going on. Yeah, I can take you further back. I was born an entrepreneur. Uh, let me just put it like that. I have a, I tell people all the time, you can have a brand and not have a business because sometimes people are uh, really great at the aesthetics, if you will, of putting things together and making sure it looks a certain way. However, they lack systems, they lack business acumen, they lack customer service, you know? So, uh, but I am an entrepreneur at heart, started doing hair from a very young age, grew up uh, with two sisters. I'm the youngest of three. And my mom had no idea how to do hair. And as a result of that, we would go to the salon ever so often um, when money was good. And But in between that, it was sort of like, ooh, you know, I, I'm gonna have to figure something out. I'm tired of people making fun of me um, at school. And so from that problem created this service. I, I have a saying that I, I'm going to give you a lot of sayings because uh, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm about this life. And so I'm going to hit you with a lot of little nuggets. But one of the things I always talk about is how problems produce products. And as a result of what I experienced at growing up and that lack being there, I started doing hair. I started to learn how to do my own hair and I started getting compliments. And by the time I was 12 years old, my weekends were full of grown behind women coming in my house for this 12 year old to do their hair. And it was like, this is it. I, I feel like I, I, this is what I want to do. I want to help women look good. I want to help them feel good. And I started kicking off my business at 12. No social media needed. No you know commercials needed it was all word of mouth as it still is today i tell people you know word of mouth is still king um your your receipts are still going to be what allow people to to say okay this lady knows what she's doing this guy knows what she's what he's doing 
And so started doing hair, grew up in Brooklyn. I, I didn't give that setting. We were in Brooklyn, New York. My family's Jamaican. Um, so grew up in Brooklyn doing hair. And right out about high school, we moved to Florida where I, I am still now. And I went right into it after high school. I went right into the beauty industry, started doing hair, um, went through going. There's a process, of course, in the industry where you have to make a decision. Do I want to, you know, do booth rental? Do I want to go to a salon where they offer commission? Do I want to go someplace where I, you know, it's more of a cookie cutter approach and I don't have to do that much laying out of my personal brand and clients will come to the door you know what i mean so i have i went through so many bumps and bruises i'm telling you at the age of 18 because i 17 graduated high school went right into beauty school after that got right into the industry and i tried booth rent so booth rent is like you're paying every month you're having i'm, I'm graduating now it's official i'm not in the sal I'm, not, I'm not at the house anymore you know and okay. so I'm, I'm in a salon setting with other established stylists and i'm having to stand out i'm having to figure out you know how is my business going to thrive i fell on my butt so many times tried different locations and it was like i did not understand how i was so successful doing it at home as a teenager but then when i became official and made the announcement and got the flyers and the business card and was in the marketplace officially it was like crickets Wow. And that's when I realized, I'm like, you know, it's unfortunate that you, when you're at home and you're charging home prices, right? You know what I mean? Like you, you might be able to do something for $65 when you're at home because you don't have the overhead. But then when you graduate to this official setting, you're having to pay bills. It's like, where did the support go? Mm. And so I, I had to rebuild. I had to um, take a look and say, okay, my, my clientele has to change. And so I'm having to do something unique and different that I've never done in order to draw the audience that I know I deserve. And so it took years. It took years of me getting into a, a space of being confident and looking people square in the eyes. Because keep in mind, I'm still under 20 at this point. Right, right, right. And so sometimes as a young entrepreneur, people think, you know what, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pay you. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to set your rates for you. Yeah, I know that's what you said, but mm, I'm not going to be, you know. And so I had to learn how to stand confident in my prices and, and kind of have an attitude a little bit, you know, about it. Like, I've been doing this. For years i'm not you know i've mastered this i had i was in school they had me teach classes in school because it was just a gift it's something that that deserved value and honor and i had to fight for that i had to fight for that so that's a little bit of my entrepreneur journey yeah. and um you know just how it all got got going and got started and i did officially uh i did hang up my uh, I don't want to say I, I got rid of it totally, but I did get a position at a more uh, corporate style setting of a, of a salon. It was a salon chain. And so I went ahead. I felt like I was selling out, y'all. Y'all listen, listen to this. So I felt like I was selling out, but I was married now. I'm in my early 20s, getting married at 21 and needing insurance is now I'm about to have a baby, you know? And so life is changing. Um, the demands are changing. And so as a result of that, 
I looked into working for more of a, a, a corporate style setting salon, which was a salon chain, as I mentioned before. So I get in there and I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. Like, listen, uh, and did it for uh, less than a year before I quit kept my foot in the other door, you know, kind of like going to the salon on weekends and then working there part-time, trying to get acclimated, doing the very least to get benefits, you know? <laughs> and then it was like, you know what? I have to commit. I have to commit. I have to go all in. And so right after having my son, I decided to go all in and fully commit to this salon uh, and it's um, the salon chain and something happened, something changed it as a result of the, the training, as a result of they, they really invested in me. I had a manager um, this predominantly Caucasian salon. And I, uh, one of my managers at the time said, I want you to do what I'm doing. And I had never saw myself in management. You know, I just was like, I'm gonna do this for the interim, get my money up, get my benefits, you know, do what I got to do and be out. And um, she said some things that really changed my perspective mm -hmm. as it pertained to my role there. So I began to take it seriously. Long story short, I became a her assistant. Then I became a manager. Then I became, after some years later, a district manager. I had six salons in the downtown Orlando area that I, I was overseeing close to 60 to 80 employees at the time um, in my 20s and making great money traveling. And so there I learned about systems because I, I, I grew an appreciation. They, they focused on quantity, right? Bringing in however many people they can bring in through the door. And they would average a quarter of a million dollars per salon. A, a, a slow salon was still making six figures a year. And so I was able to see it from a different perspective that I didn't quite understand in beauty school when they came and they were recruiting, you know? And I'm like, okay, th these people understand something different that, that we weren't taught in beauty school, that we weren't taught in school, period, <laughs> for that right. matter. Um, when it comes to a systematic approach to doing something in order to do what? Scale. And so I, I really took that on and it, it, I left, I ended up leaving because I did, I, I got bored and I, I felt like I wasn't being challenged anymore. It's just in my personality to, I'm always the one that's up for a challenge and always wanting to do something, what's next, you know? And so I got bored at that role, probably going on two years and said, okay, now I, I'm ready to, to take it, make a change and do something different. And so made a pivot and opened my own salon my husband, we started a property management company. We got about four properties, rented those out. We just really started to um, pursue our entrepreneurial goals and dreams at that particular time with all the things we had learned um, prior. And bam, we were hit. The recession <laughs> hit. This was like a decade ago. Wow. Dude, the recession hit. Yeah, yeah. So we had all these houses. Um, we had our, our salon. We had the property management company. He, of course, had his real estate license. 
Um, we were living in our quote unquote dream home at the time. We were leaders at our church. We were still at this time, we're late twenties, going early thirties. We're like the, the top givers at our church. They got like, we're the it couple, that young couple, we're over the youth ministry and they're sharing our testimonial of how we made multiple six figures and in investment and how we God has stretched us. And then we're hit with this crazy just like set of circumstances wow. and so as a result of that it's like uh, a gut punch right marriage being tested i'm a mom of four boys by the way um marriage being tested kids we, we're popping out kids i mean at this point you ain't got no cable because you can't afford it so you know what do you do you keep each other entertained right so having extra kids and we got to a place to where we had to sell our final home, short sale our final property and move back in with my family. Oh. It was crazy. It was like, you know, we're like, like, for sure. like, yeah, it was like really, really crazy. And so at that time for just encouragement, we found ourselves going to the bookstore, reading up, looking at all these successful entrepreneurs that have filed for bankruptcy multiple times over, you know what I mean? And 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 just fumbled their way forward. Mm -hmm. And just drew encouragement from that. We stayed at my mom, what was supposed to be two months, turned out to be two years of just restoring, getting our credit back on point. Um, my husband was looking for work and couldn't find work. Remember we were in the recession. It was when everything happened and all these properties were being short sold and crazy mortgages with balloon payments, all that stuff. Folks getting bailouts left and right, but us. <laughs> like, mm, okay, you know, they said, we'll help you keep your house. None of that, none of that stuff worked. All the commercials, all the stuff that we would call everybody to see if we could keep a prop, none, none of it worked. Um, so we had to rebuild. We had to rebuild. I had to um, rebrand. I had to go back to the original, my, my, you know, go back to those original dreams and visions and say, you know what? No, this is, this is what I'm called to do. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the beauty industry. It's what I'm known for. And I, I just got to figure some things out. And so when my, my youngest at the time was um, still about eight, nine months. I'm working from home again, allowing clients to start come, coming to the house. And that was when I said, okay, we're, we're going to just start stacking and doing as much as we can to allow. I really, man, right. It was right there. It's like, how can I put it? Like, it's right when you want to quit. Mm. It's right on the brink of where you're like, this ain't working. I'm not doing nothing. It seems like nothing is happening or moving or anything like that, where your faith is going to be tested, like at the utmost. And so you have to recall when things did work. You have to recall what you did when it was successful. You have to go back and say, you know, what were the principles that I applied? Because practices are subject to change, but the principles remain the same. What were the principles that I applied? You know, how how to how build that um, connection with my, my clientele and my customers. And now social media is on the scene, right? Yeah. So how can I use social media to my advantage? What 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 is the story that I'm I'm telling people? And I, I remain transparent and authentic. That's one thing. I'm like, I I I really don't care about people's opinions to that degree to where it will paralyze me. So in fact, I'm like, no, I'm gonna share 
my story, like we're rebuilding, we're we're having to rebrand, where where um, we lost friends. We like I, I we I share the story. A lot of the press that I've been getting now, oddly enough, with this quarantine and everything that's happening, is as a result of what I went through a decade ago. Like they're like you went through loss, like great loss. We lost all the cars. I had the drop top BMW Escalade. We had an extra car family and friends could use, people at church when they needed it. We had nanny made, we had multiple, and the houses were huge. They weren't small houses. We actually got houses in a new development that were like 4,500 square feet with a with an enclosed courtyard. And so we were aiming for different clientele. So we were house house rich and cash poor. There was like, because people at this point were losing work. So we got, we got caught holding a bag, you know? And, but we learned so much. We lost so-called friends, right? We're like, okay, so you were really only here for what, you know, we were just generous people. Yeah. Um, so we just learned a lot. And, and in the rebranding process, that's when I wrote my book, Brand to Bucks, mm -hmm. um, just the importance of uh, building and, and understanding who you are and what you have to offer. We all come into the earth with these great gifts and these talents. And so it's a, a matter of being able to really tune in to what that is and build a brand that complements that, right? Not It's working from the inside out. Um, I oftentimes meet people that they're like, oh, I could do that. And they just brand it without any, without much thought, without much, you know, time of incubation. They just fake it and run and they find themselves boxed in, having to rebrand yet again a year later. Right. And that's because they didn't take the time to really get to the core of their message and the core of what they have to offer. The, I help people build a brand that literally can transcend. It goes beyond just, it's, it, it, it builds a connection with their audience to where they're willing to do life with you, like willing to walk you through whatever other products and services you may create as a result of it. And so it becomes um, more about connectivity than anything. When, when you're building a brand so that you're not you're not again pinned to the pinned to a wall so if you only focus on one thing then you start to feel limited you start to feel constrained and it's like but now I feel like I want to do this and so it's like getting to that underlying thing that we're called to do at the end of the day the essence of who we are and branding that brand the essence of who you are not so much what you do that that's subject to change but it will always be in alignment with the essence of who you are absolutely absolutely wow that was that was super powerful everything that you just walked through from your story to the to the lessons learned the roller coaster everything and I think a couple of things I noticed. One, as far as the similarity between what you went through and what like fitness pros typically go through, right? Um, you started your journey off with, in the hair business and in the beauty business, um, doing hair for different folks and, and, and starting working your way up like that. And that could be a pretty saturated industry, right? There could There's a lot of people out there that do hair. There's a lot of people that go to salons and get that sort of um, treatment done. Similarly with fitness, right? There's a ton of fitness trainers out there. There's a ton of different gyms out there. There's so many different ways that people can get a workout in or achieve health and wellness. What, I guess, would you say was something that 
number one, didn't stop you from entering the industry, even though you knew it was saturated. And number two, differentiating yourself from your competition to show and to make people want to come to you as opposed to someone else. Yeah, I, I love that you even say that because I deal with a lot of women that will literally in our network, they will not do something because they feel like, well, so-and-so is doing that or, you know, um, it's saturated. And I'm like, okay, let, let, let walk with me for a moment. Let's go down the bread aisle at Publix or Walmart mm. or Target. Mm. Let's walk down the bread aisle for a second. Sarah Lee is right next to, you know, I don't, come on, like, I don't know, brown crust. <laughs> I mean, just, you, what, so, so it's like, at the end of the day, we have to come to a place to say, what is it that's unique about us? Mm. You know, what is it that, that makes us, what's your unique selling proposition? What's your USP? You know, we hear that in marketing oh. terms all the time what makes you different the thing that makes you different is the very thing that is that again what i talked about previously the essence of of your brand and it's like we go we have to deep dive and say okay who are we what 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 is it that we do so effortlessly and so naturally um what are those gifts and talents that we have and instead of just trying to master something because it's trending usually people that try to master something because it's trending are afraid to be different wow they usually are afraid to be different because, and they gotta get delivered from that. I don't know what other word to use. You gotta get delivered from that. You, you, gotta, get, you gotta get over yourself. You gotta get out of your own way in order to own up to who you are and who may not like it, who may reject it. And that's okay. And say, great, hurry up and reject me so I can get to the people that need and love me what I, what I have to offer. And so you have to have that type of attitude about it and that type of mindset about it. Um, and so that's the key. It's, it's what makes you unique. It's like, take a look at it. Take a look at all the people doing, doing whatever they're doing. And uh, what makes you different from that one? What makes you different from this one, right? Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's the, it's all about perspective at the end of the day. It's all about how we view and see ourselves um, and that we can be okay with someone telling us no. Be okay with someone saying, you're not a fit. Well, great, like, come on, let's get to the person that feels like I am, I'm the fitness instructor for them. Let's get to the person that feels like I'm the one to help them obtain their goals. Um, and, and market the mess out of that. Market your unique selling proposition. Market your, 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 the way you do things, the way you, you approach a problem, the way you solve it, the way you like, the, the way you work out, the way, like market it, market it. Like that's it. The thing that makes you unique, that that's where we have to spend the most time is, is understanding how we're different. Absolutely. No, I, that, that makes perfect sense. I think, and what you said earlier, as far as um, problems produce product, I think the perfect marriage is identifying that problem, that product, and then marrying that with the essence of who you are and what your USP is, right? I think that exactly. is, it sounds like that's the, the, the essence of um, the business that best fits you and something that you can be in for the long run. Um, and, and to yeah, that end, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and to that end, 
I know you talked about starting off in the salon and then going to, to chain salons and then ultimately committing yourself to, okay, if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. Ten toes in, I'm in, it is what it is. Um, and I can live with myself because I know that I'm being my true self. What did it take for you to get to that point where you're like, all right, I'm doing it? Because we have a lot of listeners who they can be on the brink of actually being 10 toes into their business, right? They may work the nine to five and then work on their business five to nine. They're not seeing it scale. They're not seeing the results, but they're not understanding why, but they are not too confident yet to really go full scale on their business. What did it take for you to really commit um, to being an entrepreneur full scale? Uh, understanding that no one was going to do it for me. <laughs> you know, one of the, it's a pet, and, and now on the other end of it, you know, it has become such a pet peeve of mine when people want me to buy in to their brand and business when they fully have it. Ooh. Mm. And I can hear it. I can hear it in their language. I can hear it in, in the doubt. I can hear it in the thing. They, I'm at a place right now in my in my business. I transitioned two years ago. I turned 40 in 2018. I wrote my first book, Brand to Bucks, that I, I make sure I always have a copy next to me. Mm -hmm. um, I wrote this book and we launched. I was in Paris for my 40th. Um, we hit number two, we came close to being number one at Amazon, but we hit number two the day we launched on my birthday um, for this particular book. And one of the things that's so important when it comes to having that type of tenacity is, do you really believe in yourself? Like, are you gonna bet on yourself? Like that, you have to get to a place to where it's like, I'm gonna be the one to go all in. I tell people, you have to be the first investor. <laughs> you have to be the first person, you know, that's willing to give up your time. You have to be the first person in order to do that. And, and what it does is it demonstrates a, a, like a, a servant leadership, honestly, because we cannot ask of someone else something we're not willing to do. You know what I mean? It, it, it really is, can you, I, I've had several type of bosses and leaders. That's another reason I think it was so important for me to go into that corporate setting to, to kind of understand. I really believe it was a, a divine route because I needed to understand different leadership styles. I, I've, I've had people that led from an intimidation, you know, like kind of iron fist. I got the title now what type, you know, thing. And you're looking like you don't even do nothing like no respect, no respect. And then there were those that were just so inspirational and, and will go alongside you. And you were that leader. You are you want to do the extra mile. You you you're so inspired to be a part of this team and you want to go the extra mile for this individual because they're willing to do it. And I said, that's the type of leader that I want to be in ministry. I, my husband and I have been youth leaders. We've been pastors. We've been ministers, elders. I led worship. I mean, we have been, been in every aspect of, men, of leadership in ministry. Same thing, different personalities, different people that are more controlling and they just want to show up and be seen. And then you have those that serve and those that care and those that, you know, and I'm like, that. that is what I want 
that's what I want. That's what I want my children. I want to be that for my kids. I, I don't want to say I'm this, you know, in ministry and come home and I have my kids have no respect for me. Like, I don't want that, that the, like two different worlds or, you know, like, I ain't got time for that. That sounds like a lot of work. Uh, you know, like, let me just do what I have to do internally to be who it is I need to be so that I can attract people that are like that. Mm. Right? So we become what we behold. What does that mean? It's like the things, that's why we're fighting so much as black people in this country for representation. Because we, if it seems out of reach, then we will easily just walk away. But if we have, we see black men in leadership, we see black men and women in long lasting relationships. We see families, you know, with their kids on yachts. We see them in private jets. It's like, oh, that's what's up. I'm gonna do that too with my family. I'm gonna do that, right? So, so we have to be the first, it, regard, like we have to be the first, we have to lead by example, so we can attract the people that will go all out for the brand. We can attract the people that will like, like I'm in, in Disney area, okay? When I tell you these people have never met the visionary, he has long gone, passed away. They will get Mickey Mouse tattoos. They will. They got Disney on their body. I taught, a I taught a class called Brand New Religion. And brand new religion was, it was deep. It wasn't for everybody, but it, it, it was a, listen, it was such a deep class because it talks about getting to a place to where your brand becomes religious to someone where it's handed down. We do it with, we do it with schools. We do it with HBCUs. Like I graduated from here. You gonna graduate from here. Your kid like, I don't even know what that is, daddy, but okay. You know, this is our team. This, this, you know, the, the New York Knicks, that's our team. The, the, don't come in here with no other. It's a brand new religion. It's something that becomes passed down, you know, within our family. And it's, it happens almost so naturally. Like, no, this is, this is the type of soaps we use. We only use this. This is the type of ketchup. What is that? What you bought up in here? That will that where's the Heinz? You know what I mean? Like, right. you know, where where come on, where's the Clorox? We call it Clorox, but it's bleach, right? Mm -hmm. But we got got so um inundated and like so like it was everywhere. It was like you gotta use Clorox, but somebody came in and just say bleach. We like, what's where the Clorox at? You ain't really cleaning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you ain't really cleaning. There ain't no Clorox. So what it it, there are levels, I need to go back and find those notes. I taught that almost a year and a half ago. And literally like looking at the stages of connectivity with different brands. When we talk about it, personal brands, I talked about even Beyonce, there's enough mystery to her life. Like she gives you just enough. And anytime Beyonce starts to give you anything, it's cause she has a call to action that's about to come. There's a download, there's a video, there's something, then she goes away. She incubates it, it. And so you can overdo it. You can overdo it, you know, you can do all, it's so many different things to building a relationship. And I liken it to, for us with personal brands, to dating. You know, it's like marketing is like dating. Marketing is like setting yourself up um, and saying, I'm open to the idea of a relationship. And branding is the reason someone will say, you know what, I want you to marry me. 
it's like, it's the thing that will literally um, allow, marketing allows for that conversation and the way your brand is set up because it's the essence again of who you are. It's the essence of the organization. It's more what's felt, not seen. And that's the thing that says to someone, I wanna be connected to you. You know what, I'm gonna get that free download. So now we move from flirting to, you know, you letting me in a little bit. You know what I mean? We we done, we, we done came from likes and now it's like, you on my list. <laughs> you know what I mean? You 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 become now this prospect that it, I now need to retarget and say, hey, thank you for getting such and such. Let's let's connect and let, let's talk so, a little bit more. Can you tell me about yourself? You know, I, I, and so it, it shifts the way we do business. Um, it has to it has to shift it has to shift and and even big brands know it you know big brands now look at what's happened with youtube look at what's happened with social media they reach out to influencers now because listen y'all are the ones that are going to make the brand cool people love the personal connection mm. and so yeah i don't even know where how we got there bro but <laughs> No, I think that's perfect because that segue to my next question, which you answered honestly, because I feel like a lot of, like nowadays, a lot of millennials, people up and coming with the social media world, brand, the term brand has become very flashy, right? And everyone's like, oh, let me get this logo. Oh, let me get my color scheme right. Oh, all this other stuff, which is important. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like a lot of the things that people miss are the things that happened before that, right? And what you said that really stuck with me was that, you know, your brand should be innately who you are as an individual. And that's what ties everything together. That's what get other, gets other people to buy in. The more and more you try to portray something that you're not, like you said, you call them out. Mm, I'm not, I, I, I don't, it doesn't click <laughs> for me. And that's what yeah. I can see too, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and because there's a there's the back end, you know? So again, if you think about it in the, in when it comes to relationships, you know, sometimes you don't know until you're in a relationship with someone that you're like this ain't going to work out. Right. You know, it's like, okay. So because what happens is now we have let people in and our back door, our systems are jacked up. Hmm. Right? So there is no, I, I actually wrote about this in, um, this morning because I do our content. I try to get certain content out to my team to build out stuff or whatever. And one of the thoughts that came up was how much, and excuse me, somebody's walking in. So my dog is going to probably bark. A bit. But um, how we are so focused on what front facing, you know what I mean? On, on how things look and, and the regular photo shoots and the, you know, making sure we are seen here or with this one or doing that, you know, all, all this, we making moves for the gram. It's great. It's wonderful. I get it. You, you get engagement as a result of that, but we have to put that much work, if not more in what's happening once we we bring people into our funnels what's happening once we bring people into our business and how we are servicing them you know how are we doing once we get them their money we can't disappear 
Mm. Once we get their money, we can't stop servicing them. I meet so many people that I challenge them because I'm like, okay, all right, sis, your marketing is strong. Your stuff is on point. You know, you're doing what you're doing. Let me see how what happens. What's the next phase once somebody gives you their money? What what's happening? You know, behind the scenes. How often are you touching base with them? Uh, you know, so simple things. It could be a physical product, and it's like. Okay, you don't give people a tracking? Wow, okay, so you don't give people, I, I bought this bag, the whole, you know, we're in Black Lives Matter movement. There's a lot of great things that's going on. We, we're buying, we're shopping black, we're doing all that. So I bought an expensive bag. So anything to me that's over $500 is expensive, right? So I bought an expensive bag from a brand and I was trying to put like a thank you note in there because it wasn't for me. It was for my um, director, my uh, regional director, because we crossed over our six figure mark a couple weeks ago. So I said, mm -hmm. okay, I want to send her this bag and love it. Bag is hot, it's fire. Trying to reach out, no, no one responds. I'm like, my gosh, I'm not spending $50. This, you know what I mean? This ain't Amazon. <laughs> send the email, nothing happened. Wow. So I send another message because I could only pay with PayPal. And I'm like, what? I don't want to use PayPal. I want to use my credit card where I get rewards because I shop smart. So it, it wouldn't allow for the, you know, so what am I saying? What is, what's happening on your site? What's happening, you know, when you are taking people, walking them through a transaction? How is the customer service on the back end? And I literally, I'm like, man, it was like, not what I expected, but I can go to, and this again, just for you guys, listen, this has nothing to do with whether a brand is black or white. I've dealt with it across the board with different brands where some are more responsive and more engaging. Once we see that you made a purchase, here is your tracking, because I, I bought from another brand and they were on it. They, they use Shopify. Um, I buy from, listen, I'm home. So I'm shopping and I'm buying stuff. <laughs> I probably don't even need. And uh, so I bought from another brand and I was highly impressed. So impressed that I used it in one of my um, one of my one on one set sessions with a client that I work with her brand um, that I'm moving them to Shopify to just show the engagement all the way through once you're in the funnel and how they constantly keep up with you or give you an opportunity to shop again or another one that does things through text messaging. And so I, I use different instances. I spent less with the ones that were more engaging spent way more with the one that was, you know, uh, over $500 and got no, I'm so, and listen, I was like, is the bag on the way? It, can I get a tracking number? Like I didn't get tracking, I didn't get anything. I was just praying, like praying that the bag devils wouldn't come get, get, get the bag. You know, like I just had to, <laughs> I had to pray it arrived, you know? So things like that matter. Absolutely. And, and to the end, I guess, Talk a little bit about ROI or return on investment <clears throat> for branding appropriately. Um, it sounds like the the one in that example, right? The one where there was a relationship that was forged, you got looped into the funnel and you kind of felt like you were a part of the family. More likely than not, you'd likely shop with them again versus the one where you spent, you dropped all this cash, you dropped all this money and they're kind of nowhere to be found. Yeah. Like, um 
it, it matters, you know, it really does. Building a brand matters just as it, as much as building your systems, you know, but, but what people may not see because it's it still is a part of the experience. And so I want people to not just stop at how things look, how things may sound you know we put a lot into content nowadays to get a response from people like i want to make sure we go beyond that and we serve people so that we don't have a constant rotating door retention is key word of mouth is still key and so all of those things really play a part they work hand in hand how you build your brand and how you set up your business systems they all work hand in hand and they are very much important so i just want people to make sure that they're putting that much time and energy as they do in maybe content development right that they're putting that much energy in customer service right right absolutely and i just realized that we're a little bit over time here colleen um so i guess last question for you and then we'll wrap things up we talked about so much today you dropped so many nuggets on our audience which has been amazing i learned something like i do with all these podcasts if there was one thing that you can leave our audience with um today what would that be yeah, um, something I always say is building your brand is either your mission or your mistake. So we all have we all have one. Listen, and and really at the end of the day, think about it like this: your brand is is the thing how people describe you, and 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 the the um, the impression that you leave on people is really what your brand is. It's how do they describe you when you're not in the room? How, how are they talking about you when you're not in the room? That's why these companies pay so much money for people to test, you know, to test. I, I remember talking about in one of my classes, one of my favorite chips, and it's the white Cheetos, <laughs> and it's the, um, the puppy white, or it's like they come across organic, right? Cheetos, puppy Cheetos or whatever. They taste so good. And <laughs> literally you can almost like not stop eating them. And so the science even behind the everything from the crunch, they, 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 pay, they, they pay so much money to make sure it crunched a certain way that when you eat the cheese puffs, it melts in your mouth a certain way because mentally, and, and I'm sure those in the fitness world and nutrition can appreciate this, to our mind, it, it is compared to like ice. So when something melts in our mouth, we don't really think about the caloric intake of it like psychologically wow. so we we will keep eating it because it, it's like it feels harmless you know what i mean so you still get that crunch but then you also get that melt in your mouth and a little bit of that salty thing and what it does to the it's so good it's so good it's to the point i was like don't bring it in the house anymore because <laughs> i'm about to kill it you know what i mean and i'm not it, I, it's not good for me but I, I think about how much money goes into testing and, and research and development and all those things. And for a lot of us smaller brands, we don't have the money in order to do that. So, um, but we can do the research online because the brands that do these types of researches and, and all those, these, um, my husband will sign up for stuff like that, surveys and all this stuff. To, he does this survey thing where they'll pay him money to just take surveys and he's done it for years. Like he just likes doing that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm like, oh, I don't have time for that. I just want the answers. I want to, you know, so we, we, we need to be able to on our scale and, and as much as we possibly can is get an idea of what people say about our brand. Try to pull people together and, and pull your, your audience survey your audience, you know, describe my brand in one word, 
describe my brand in two words. Um, what is it that you reach out? You know, what, what, what is it you would come to me for? What problem do you think I solve? I'm just thinking of stuff we can do with our audience to get an idea of how our brand is truly resonating with those that, um, that are following us. And so, you know, I, I really take those things into consideration. We all have a brand whether we are building it intentionally or, you know, by mistake. So keep that in mind. Amazing. Amazing, Colleen. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to sit with us. Uh, we learned so much through everything that you talked about, from your story to, to building brands, to, to return on investment. This has been the brand new religion. I mean, this has been a, a treat. Um, <clears throat> and we know that you have got brand to bucks. Um, is that available on Amazon? How, how can our listeners get yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. Just go to Amazon, brandtobuckscalinotaro.com. Um, there's a digital version, but the hard copy is the best because I walk through different things where you can journal, um, what I call B2B moments, because I, I wrote it the way I learned, where I take in new information and I have to meditate on it for a second and figure out what the heck I got to do with me. <laughs> Why do I need this information? Is this a waste of my time? Uh, you know, so that's kind of how I am. So I, I write with that in mind so that the reader can kind of sit back and say, okay, what is my story? Let me write that out. And I go into, you know, breaking down the three parts of storytelling. Then we go into what is my style? What makes me unique? I'm reading it from here. My skills, my stuff. What about what type of systems do I have? Because we do, we operate systematically, but we don't always note it. Right, right. We don't always note that. I do have a systematic approach to how I do hair, or I do have a systematic approach to how I'm walking clients through, you know, their weight loss journey or to build muscle or to gain endurance or to whatever it is that I'm taking them through in my fitness program. Like I, I do have a system. Let's stop flying by the seat of our pants because eventually the goal should be for all the fitness instructors that are on here is, a real business you're able to scale you're able to it's it's turnkey you're able to sell it if when you get older in age you're you know so what are some of the things we need to do to make this a real business mm. and move outside of solo on solo what do they call it solopreneur, solopreneur. they addpreneur to everything <laughs> but, you know like what what do we need to do for it to really be like how can i scale this like right. that should be the question. And so this book is a, a real guide to just help them walk through that. Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely get that myself. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, listeners, you heard it here. Building your brand is either your mission or your mistake. So turn it into your mission. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Colleen. Thank you. Goodbye. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember to subscribe to the DFCA podcast if you haven't already. And leave comments to let us know what you want to hear more about. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dream Fitness Client Academy. Stay motivated and keep grinding.